This is Teachers Talk Radio, and you are listening live. Good evening, everyone. Welcome to Teachers Talk Radio on Sunday night, end of the first week of term. Uh, tonight, we're joined by the Chief Exec- Executive of Teach First, Reuben Moore, and we also have the ECF lead from uh, One Cumbria, who's going to be joining us too, talking about teacher training and just having a general natter about all things that are going on at the moment. This is Teachers Talk Radio, and you are listening live. Tune in live at ttradio.org, or to join in the conversation, download the Podbean app and search Teachers Talk Radio. Follow the hashtag TT Radio. Tune in, talk it out with Teachers Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to Sunday Evening in the Twilight Show with Kaylee Clark. So how are you all today? Um, I know I've been a bit under the weather. Um, It's not the C word, but I think it's just been, for me, I think it's just been spending so much time indoors all of a sudden. Um, Tend to try and get out as much as possible when I'm not working. So um, I've got two dogs, so we like going out into the fresh air. And I also have a horse, so that keeps me busy. Um, But I think just the the few days indoors staring at a computer screen um, for so long as well has taken its toll on me this week. Um, so, as I said in the intro, tonight we're going to be joined by Reuben Moore from Teach First and also uh, Tina Beddo from um, One Cumbria and she is the Early Career Framework Lead. So we're just waiting for Tina and Reuben to call in. Hopefully that won't be too much longer. Um, it is uh, one minute past five, so we do have plenty of time. Um, so... Yeah, this week, uh, last week, the last show I did before we broke up for the holidays, seems a long time ago now, um, we were talking about uh, the plan for the return to school. So we've, I've actually only taught one class this week, which was on Friday, and that was my year 10s. Um, I don't teach year 11 and sixth form at the moment, and all the, te- all the students have been coming in in year groups to get tested before they officially return to school on Monday. And so um, that has meant we've not been really doing any teaching until Friday when we had the 10s, 11s, 12s and 13s all back in school. And so far, it seems that the vast majority of the students have been returning. We haven't had very many positive cases that I'm aware of anyway, which um, is good news, Uh, hopefully good news going forward as well. But it's actually been a really great exercise for me this week to get involved with the curriculum planning. So because we knew the students weren't going to be in, the head gave us all time in our departments to go over our plans for the term and what we were going to be doing with our curriculums, which has been really helpful for us in English, because I think three of the of the seven um, medium term plans that have been put together for this term are all brand new. They're all completely new topics. So it's been great because normally what would happen due to time constraints is uh, an individual teacher will be allocated a medium term plan for a particular year group and they'll go off and do that on their own. And everyone has said how valuable it's been to just have that time as a department to get together and talk about how we're going to teach this particular unit because it might be that some of the teachers have taught something similar before 
like for instance we're doing uh, gothic short stories with year nine now that's nothing new to the majority of my department but we we have not had a medium term plan for it before so that's been a new exercise putting it together and even the really experienced teachers who've been there you know 20 25 years in the profession have said how valuable it is to to do it as a group and it seems really obvious i suppose when you think of it that way just to bounce the ideas off each other but thinking about things in a different perspective and um, just having different ideas around the table, different ways of delivering things, different ideas for home learning. Um, And we have a a literacy focused task that we do with our key stage three every year, which is uh, we call it Big Right Friday. And it's the idea being is that the students will just have an extended piece of writing to help them prepare for exams and assessments where they have to just write for 30 to 40 minutes straight to answer a particular question and that's been really helpful for the students but also it it, it's the purpose of it is to to be like a cumulative um assess well not an assessment it's not informal but a cumulative way of of putting pulling together everything that they've learned that week and the students being able to show off what they've done and for the teachers to be able to see if things have actually worked so it's it's a it's a great bit of retrieval practice in a way as well but it's also an ideal opportunity for for the teachers just to get that snapshot of where the students are and if anything needs to be covered again so what goes on in your school? Have, have you had some opportunities to get together as a department and make plans or have you just hit the ground running this week? As always, this is a live show. Please call in. Please give us your information. Uh, give us your, your tales to tell. How's your first week back been? Has it been chaotic? Have you gone back into school and have been straight away covering classes because of staff absence? Have you actually had quite a nice, easygoing return to school the way that we have been fortunate enough to have at my school? Let us know. Call in. You can get in touch with us through the Podbean app or you can contact us on Twitter and use the hashtag TTRadio2022 now, TTRadio22 handle to get involved. So we're still waiting on Ruben and Tina. Um, I've actually just had a message from Tina saying she's pressing the call button and nothing's happening. Um, I've I've checked Tina, so yeah, I'm I'm the call call-ins are allowed. Um, I'm sorry, I don't know. <laughs> Is anybody from the the tech team um, listening who might be able to give us a hand? Sorry, I'm not sure what we're, what what's happening up at the moment, but we will carry on and we'll soldier on and we will um, hopefully be able to get Tina and Ruben live in a moment. So I tell you what we'll do then is because I was planning on playing the, um, the news and the ads around about now anyway, so that we could get going with the conversation, I will make a start with that. I'll get that playing. We'll play the news and, and the ads quite early and I will... Um, disappear off and see if we can get uh, technical support for Tina and Ruben calling in. This is Teachers Talk Radio and you are listening live. Are you looking to take your phonics practice forward? Then Little Wondle Letters and Sounds Revised is the programme for you. 
created by two schools with an excellent track record in phonics. Little Wondle Letters and Sounds Revised will help all children become readers and ensure no child is left behind. The programme offers complete support for your phonics teaching, alongside classroom resources and fully decodable readers from Collins Big Cat. To find out more, follow at Letters Sounds on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram or join a free briefing by visiting littlewondelettersandsounds.org.uk. Teachers Talk Radio is delighted to support Winston's Wish, the UK's childhood bereavement charity. Winston's Wish supports children and their families after the death of a parent or sibling. They provide emotional and practical bereavement support. Expert teams also provide online resources, specialist publications and training for professionals. Find out more about Winston's Wish and pledge your support at www.winstonswish.org. This is Teachers Talk Radio and this is Teachers Talk Radio News. extensive research into the importance of the early years. Oxford University has involved nearly 4,000 children from across the UK in three specially developed science lessons. The aim of the lessons is to educate pupils about brain development during early childhood. The SCENE project, Secondary Education Around Early Neurodevelopment, is part of a drive to increase public understanding of how early experiences can shape the adults we become. Dr Elizabeth Rapper, Senior Scientist at University of Oxford, comments on the university website, in the same way that we teach children about the risks of smoking or poor diet, children also need to know about why experiences in our early childhood years are so important for later health. Just one in four adults recognise the importance of the first five years of life for providing lifelong health and happiness. The lessons taught the neuroscience of brain development and what that means in terms of how a child grows and develops, as well as focusing on specifics such as how a caregiver should speak to a baby to promote their language development. Schools in some regions are once again facing closure, although this time it's the weather rather than the pandemic that is to blame. ITV News reports that snow and ice led to the full or partial closure of schools across Yorkshire. The closures were largely due to staffing issues as many staff struggled to get into school after yellow weather warnings for snow and ice were issued. The cold weather also prompted an article in the Metro focusing on the temperature inside schools as many try to increase ventilation to mitigate the transmission of coronavirus. The article reminds readers that there is no minimum temperature recommended for schools in current legislation, but that schools should follow all health and safety guidance to ensure pupils and staff are kept safe. On the official government website, .gov.uk, the Education Hub features a story from University's Minister Michelle Donnellan. The piece, entitled What I Wish I Knew About Uni Before I Started, offers the Minister's top tips around topics such as UCAS deadlines, maintaining your mental health during both the application process and starting a course, and advice about funding and the Turing Scheme, which replaced the Erasmus Scheme. The website also includes a link to the video recording of the interview. In further higher education news, the Nigerian Tribune reports on a regional conference which is investigating the impact of private universities on public universities in Africa. 
The event was held at Babcock University and has the support of the University of Texas at Austin and the Carnegie Corporation of New York. Professor Toyin Falola, conference leader, stated, we are studying five countries, Ghana, Nigeria, Uganda, Kenya, and South Africa. The conference aims to focus on developing the knowledge economy and how it can be improved. The project intends to assess the performance of private universities and understand the impact they are having on public universities in driving up standards, increasing student recruitment, and improving the range of courses on offer in all institutions. This is Two Minute Tech with Steve Woods, your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio. Happy New Year! This is the first in a short series on the New Year's resolution a lot of us make and the effect tech can have on it. Can technology really help us get fit and healthy? According to the Fitness Industry Association, around 80% of people who sign up to a gym in January stop going in February. Can technology provide a free alternative? Now before I start, I need to throw down a disclaimer here. I am assuming you already have a mobile device that is capable of running apps, therefore the cost of the device is written off, and I take no responsibility for any pain, both physical and or mental that you will inflict on yourself. You are responsible for your own scaling and moderation. That being said, there are thousands of free fitness apps out there. The first barrier for teachers is time. School Week have reported one in four teachers working over 60 hours a week, so in a 12-hour day, where do you fit a workout in? If the gym's out of the question, what are the other alternatives that are time flexible? Let's start with some totally free options. YouTube is full of fitness videos and challenges from sit-ups and press-ups to squats and chin-ups. A more extreme example is Athlean X. This channel is dedicated to workouts with pro trainer Jeff Cavalier. Some claim it to make a difference in just seven minutes a day. This may seem crazy, but seven minutes is a lot more than nothing and adds up to more than three quarters of an hour per week. If you're more of a social media motivated person, how about one of the many fitness tracking apps for walking, running or cycling? Most have a free basic package and in-app purchases for additional features. If I use Strava as an example, a free basic package allows you to track your exercise, join friends, set challenges and meet people around the globe with similar interests. My only word of warning would be to ensure you consider your profile settings to keep yourself safe. Hiding the start and end of a walk, run or ride, for example, will stop your home being shown on a map. For most people pushed to time, this will be where you start and end your exercise. Also, if you exercise regularly at the same time, this could be showing the world where you're likely to be or when your house is empty. For those who want to start softly and just be a bit more active, a less intensive option may be having a step counting app. Again, there are lots of different apps out there. My example is Sweatcoin, a free app that allows you to earn Sweatcoins, a form of digital currency that can be traded in the Sweatcoin store for discount codes, vouchers, and even given to good causes. This is a simple app and can run in the background, so you don't even need to remember to switch it on. Finally, calorie counter apps are a great way to look at what is actually going on in your body in the first place. On apps like MyFitnessPal, you can log your weight, calorie consumption, calorie output, and also have the ability to sync this with other fitness apps, so you don't need to log your exercise twice. As long as you're honest and log all of those glasses of Prosecco, not just the first, you're rewarded with detailed feedback on not only your calorie intake and output, but where those calories came from. Whatever you choose to do for the new you in the new year, why not do a bit of looking around and see what you can pick up for free first? I'll leave you with one of my favourite sayings, anyone can do nothing. For a visual version of this episode, check out the TT Radio 2021 Twitter feed. Two Minute Tech with Steve Woods, your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio. So all being well, I think we've now got our guest on the show. Ruben? Hi. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can hear you, Kaylee. Can you hear me? That is fantastic. Yes, I can. And we'll just check with Tina. Tina, can you hear me? I can hear you loud and clear, Kaylee. Can you hear me? 
Yes, I can. Wonderful. Oh, you had you both had me really worried there for a moment. I'm t I'm typing away at the um the uh, the radio tech uh, technical support group that I've, I've got on um on on the app on my phone, and I'm asking all kinds of questions. And then I saw your names pop up, so that's going brilliantly. Glad we've got you both sorted. Okay, so I'm just going to hand it over to yourselves first. So Tina, if you're there, we'll um, we'll start with yourself. Can you just introduce yourself to us, please? Tell us what you do and and um, how you came to be doing what you're doing at the moment. Thank you, Kelly. Of course I will. Um, my name is Tina, Tina Bedop, and at the moment I am the Early Career Framework Lead for One Cumbria, and we are delivering the Teach First Early Career Framework and working through the programme. Uh, my background is I've been in teaching for 30 years. I graduated as an undergrad. Um, I did a four-year course, so a long time ago, um, and graduated in 1992 from Edgehill College which is now a university, but wasn't then. It was a teacher training college. Um, I have worked in St. Helens and Cumbria across the primary age range. Became a head teacher and was a head teacher for 17 years. And have been involved in system leadership since 2014, when I founded the Ellen Teaching School Alliance with three other infant school head teachers in the town of Maryport in Cumbria been heavily involved in initial teacher training and jumped at the opportunity to become involved with the early career framework working with the One Cumbria Teaching School Hub which is where I am now and thoroughly enjoying every day I must admit it's a, a fantastic role to have supporting early career teachers and mentors across the whole of the county of Cumbria and meeting some wonderful teachers uh, who were so dedicated to the cause of teaching that I'm in awe of them every day. Um, so yeah, I'm having a wonderful time and it's lovely to talk to you and I'm lovely to meet up with Ruben again, who, um, glad, who, was, who came to Cumbria to meet us all. And uh, nice to see you well. Nice to hear you again, Ruben. It's brilliant Ruben to be it's yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's brilliant to be here. And, and Tina, it's great to catch up with you as well. Um, uh, Kayleigh, I, I was very lucky, as you know, to kind of know to, to, to spend a, a day up with colleagues in Cumbria and met some early career teachers and their mentors and those leading as well as kind of some some wonderful colleagues from from Cumbria as well, as, of which um, Tina was one. So I, I'll introduce myself. Um, I'm I'm speaking to you tonight from Leeds. However, I think as probably everybody knows, I uh, are certainly from my accent, as you can hear, um, I'm not from Leeds. I'm from Northern <laughs> Ireland originally. Um, I uh, I sort of know, did what many people did, sort of know Northern Ireland in the in the early nineties. I, I played the university um, in Edinburgh, and then I did a PGC at Cambridge. Um, and then I've been teaching sort of since uh, 1997. Um, I am a secondary history teacher um, by trade. Um, so I taught in a number of schools, both as kind of history teacher, head of department, advanced skills teacher, as it was. Um, and then I had the opportunity to, um, to teach on the first Teach First Summer Institute, which was in 2003. Um, so I, I had... Uh, I was allowed to leave my school in Hounslow for six weeks to teach on the, the Summer Institute way, way back in 2003. Um, and that was my first sort of introduction to Teach First. Um, since then, I have uh, sort of worked 
sort of alongside Teach First in a number of different roles, um, both as a mentor um, for Teach First trainees in a school. I also worked for um, the, the Canterbury Christchurch uh, University, who were uh, who were one of the tra- one of the training partners of Teach First for their initial teacher training program, um, and then I was a vice principal in a school um, in London, and then. 11 it's- years ago in June, um, my, my wife and I um, decided that we wanted to move sort of further north and, uh, and I became the regional director for Yorkshire um, for Teach First and, uh, and then I've progressed kind of to a, a few different roles um, sort of within Teach First. Um, and now currently I'm the executive director of programme development at Teach First. Fantastic. I'm absolutely thrilled to have both of you on the show this evening because, as you've just explained, both have got such a, um, you know, I, I don't I don't mean this in any way other than a compliment, but extensive careers within education. And, and... That's very polite. That's very diplomatic, Hayley. Yeah. I know what you really mean there. I didn't want to say, you know, long careers, because obviously (laughs) I didn't want to suggest anything um, impolite there at all. But um, yeah, so obviously um, you're both incredibly experienced professionals, but interesting how you've both chosen to take the move into training the teachers or training the trainers. Um, So that's obviously what what we'd we'd like to start off with tonight, because there's um, there's been so much change in education very, very quickly. and, And we've we chatted about this, um, Ruben, when we were talking, when we were getting ready for the show. Um, there's been so many changes and developments in teacher training just over the last twelve to eighteen months, and with everything else that's going on uh, with the with the pandemic and the way that schools are having to adapt to to often a new way of teaching because of COVID, it, it has been a real challenge for all concerned. So first of all, before we get into all, all that all that about, you know, how hard it's been, why don't you um, start off talking to us a bit about Teach First's approach to the early career framework? Um, you know, how, how did you go about changing your approach to teacher training once the... Um, the new government guidelines came in. So I I think it's an interesting one. And Kayleigh, like the big thing to say is, I mean, teachers and those working in schools up and down the country have just done a phenomenal job. You know what I mean? I just think in terms of, no, they did a phenomenal job before the pandemic, but then since the pandemic, just to kind of know the work that they do every single day, the work that they do on the holidays, the work that they have to do on the weekends, know to be able to to prepare for these kind of mm-hmm. I know people sort of say it though the kind of unprecedented circumstances and it remains that way it remains really challenging so I just think the first thing is sort of all credit to those working in schools um sort of all sort of throughout this pandemic and I think it sort of comes sort of closer to home in terms of those teachers who are able to not only serve their pupils well in this kind of ongoing pandemic, but also take on this this element of um, of development of their own professional development, and and I suppose just to take it up the sort of sort of slightly higher level, like the level above sort of teach first in the organisations. I think I've I I love learning, <laughs> and I love the learning process, and I love teaching, and and kind of you know as a as a history teacher, I was kind of really 
really interested in in kind of how no pupils kind of sort of created their understanding how they developed their understanding about the world about certain periods or whatever and then starting to to, know to sort of share sort of that with new teachers coming in there was some of those same challenges about know how how do they kind of develop the understanding and others so i think that's where my kind of my interest in in sort of developing teachers has come from um and then I think, I suppose the, the other place where I where I come from is that when I was training to teach, um, which, as I say, was, was quite a while ago now, there, you know, obviously you go into teaching because you, you want to do the best job possible. You, you know, there's a real There's a real sort of moral sense of kind of you want to do the best for your kids as possible and you want to learn as much as possible. But yet, fundamentally, a PGCE year or whatever you want to call a training year, it's really short. You know what I mean? You, you can't learn everything oh, in that kind of yeah. in that sort of single in the sort of single year. So therefore, I think when this when there was discussions in you know in the DFA around you know how do we kind of make sure that there's a kind of seamless development of our teachers for more than teacher training, then I think we were really really interested in that and sort of wanted to, to support in any way we could. So. No, obviously the early career framework came out. That was a DFE um, document. Um, the EEF, the Education Endowment Fund, were the ones who kind of then you know, sort of looked at the research that would underpin it. Um, and again, the research it you know, it isn't the, the, the research continues to change and it'll evolve, I'm sure, over time. And mm. and again, I know that the DFE quite rightly have said that they'll review that research, which I think is is really important as well. And yeah, would say the same. So, so as I say, I think we took that framework. We then said, right, what do we think teachers need? But more importantly, how can we kind of make it as slim as possible? Because we want to make we want to make sure that it's helping teachers do the job, not sort of an extra thing on top of the job. And I know I know there's challenges with that, but as I say, I think that was our initial intention, and that's what we've tried to do throughout. Fantastic. Sorry, that I knew sounds... that was really long winded, Kelly. You'll have to. You'll have no. to kind of, if there's like a if there was like a virtual shepherd's hook here or whatever, <laughs> you, know what I mean? you should you should probably be kind of dragging me off. So therefore, don't f- don't feel free to jump in at any stage. Go right. Not at all. You're making it, no. <laughs> you're making my life very very easy. You just chat away. That's what it's all about. This is all about you. Send stage. So um, if I can bounce over to Tina now. So um, you know. Tina and I have worked together before. Um, Tina was actually responsible for training me and my cohort of of trainee teachers. So for her sins, she did an amazing job. (laughs) And um, I I can certainly say that, that, um, and having spoke to different trainees, that I thoroughly enjoyed my training year. And Ruben's absolutely right in what he says, that it's impossible to, to learn everything you need to know about being a teacher in nine months. It's, it's impossible to learn everything you need to know in probably two, three, four, five years, even you know, and I and I imagine you you both would agree that you're always learning something, even after um, you know twenty plus years of teaching experience. But if you can just give us a bit of information, Tina, you know, we we Ruben's given us sort of the the, the perspective of of the the organisation that's responsible for um, assimilating the the research into a training scheme, yes. but Tina you've obviously you you were working with a teacher training organization that then had to change quite rapidly once the ECF was introduced so can you please tell us a bit a bit about what that was like and and how um one Cumbria came about 
Yes, so um, before One Cumbria Teaching School Hubs, there was about um, 11 teaching schools within the Cumbria, the county of Cumbria. The, the DfE decided that it wanted to move to a more hub approach, so all those teaching schools were de-designated at the end of um, August last year, and Cumbria now just has one teaching school hub, and I think there are around, I don't know if it's 83 or 87, teaching school hubs around the country. Their remit is to, to deliver the early career framework, is to deliver initial teacher training, and to deliver the national professional qualifications, the new suite of those. And One Cumbria has partnered with Teach First to deliver both the early career framework and national professional qualifications. Um, so we are a delivery partner for Teach First, and um, we have had to, as, as, as I'm sure Reuben will back me up, this has been delivering um, DFE policy at pace. So it's been a real quick turnaround. We, we had um, an away day, the, the One Company team had an away day last week to discuss where what, what we've been up to and where we were going next and whether our vision had changed. And um, we had to remind ourselves that actually we've only been in operation for one term. Yeah. Already, but already we've got, you know, 150 early career teachers and their mentors on the early career framework. We have over 80 people on MPQs. We're looking at um, going for, for accreditation for ITT after the market review. Um, so an awful lot's happened in the term. So, yes, I feel talking to early career teachers and mentors that the early career framework has landed successfully. Um, there will always be tweaks. And as Ruben said, even things like changing, you know, looking at what research is backing up the early career framework down to um, little tweaks around the programme training and listening. One of my big ones is um, how the early career framework has landed in early years classrooms, because that's my background. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm having lots of interesting conversations with both mentors and early career teachers who are in nursery reception classes or at, in Cumbria, as you're well aware, Kayleigh, uh, lots of small rural primary schools that are teaching mixed age classes. So um, getting back to learning, we are learning all the time. My learning curve has been very steep yeah. since um, May, June, when I, took, when I took on the role of early career framework lead. And every day I'm, I'm learning something new. But that's so exciting for me because yeah. even after 30 years of teaching, there's so much more I need to know and there's so much more I can learn and, and find out about. And some of the research that I'm, I'm, I'm privy to now that I maybe wouldn't have noticed before or had, I, I had time to look at, if I'm absolutely yeah. honest as a head teacher, it, it's mind-blowing to think, right, why, why didn't I know this when I was teaching? Yeah. I, know, I wish I'd known this when I was teaching. I would have been a much better teacher. So I do think that early career teachers, although this seems like a lot to take on, it's fantastic for you. It really is because you are right there at the cutting edge of becoming the best generation of teachers we could possibly have. And the impact that will have on pupils and their progress and their learning is just phenomenal. That's very reassuring to hear you say that, Tina. <laughs> I think especially as so many ECTs are coming to the end of, like you say, the first full term. And I had a great experience in my first term, but... I was still incredibly tired and incredibly 
you know, quite overwhelmed because, as you say, there's so much to take in, not just about um, the actual teaching, but just just with anything, starting a new job for yes. for many people, starting a new career. Um, which, which, as it, as it's been myself, uh, I, that's what I've gone through myself is is starting a completely new career. Um, it's a very different culture to what a lot of people are used to if they've never worked in schools before, and then they've got to learn all all of everything they need to know about being an. You know the best possible teacher. It, it's in, it's incredibly challenging, but one of the amazing things that I've found is that I don't know if I've just fallen very very lucky on my feet. You can you can give me this feedback um, if if you'd be so kind. Is I've had an incredibly supportive school, incredibly supportive mentors, and I think my training was actually very well, even though it wasn't training under the ECF um, because obviously it changed after our training year last year um, it was I, I thought it prepared us brilliantly for life in school and considering we've had a pandemic mixed in with all of that as well I, I think a definite shout out needs to be to the schools and the tra- and the trainers and the mentors who are working with ECTs at the moment and doing a fantastic job under very challenging circumstances so I think that mustn't be forget neither the, the, the people who helped us yeah. Yes, be, be the best definitely. we can be. Um, so, Ruben, if you can um, I th- I think give us an idea now. You, it, you oh, know, you were I saying... It, oh, I was just going to say that it's really interesting, the, the kind of, I, I think sometimes the, the sort of the, the challenging nature of kind of starting a new job, the, the, no, the new school, the new environment, the new culture, new groups of pupils, new, no new, new infrastructure, all those sorts of things. Mm-hmm. And I think, I suppose what I what I was trying to think of when we're looking at the ECF was that I go back to kind of when I started training, there was so much to remember. And therefore yeah. what, what we were trying to do within the ECF is, is actually, okay, so what should come first? You know, I mean, what are some of the kind of the basic things that, 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 that once we kind of have a good, you know, we have a good sort of sense of those, then that will help us kind of take on other aspects. And, I've been very sort of taken by this, you know, the, the research that you know of how people move from novice to competence to expertise. Yeah. And I think one of the things that we know there is once we've got strong foundations, then we can learn and kind of create create other habits more quickly. So it was that idea of kind of trying to say, okay, the ECF could be this is what we rely on, this is what we try and sort of because it will make all of those other pieces of the job hopefully more straightforward now again mm. we can't get it we can't get it absolutely right but i just i do think there's something on both both when the when the core content framework sort of really sort of flows through the system which is which is part of what what sort of the part of the curriculum um offer if you like through a pgc program then once sort of trainees have come through through that then they have the two years of the early career framework. I, what we're hoping is that then you have sort of three years of of coherent development, and I think that's the sort of that that's the sort of change that that, that we were that, that the government were seeking to make. And I think I would applaud because you look at other high performing jurisdictions in the world, and and I know that you know that they're all very different than. Certainly the last thing anybody would want to do is to go and sort of photocopy another country in the world and then apply it to, mm-hmm. you know, to, to, to a new environment. But I think I, I look at some of the high performing jurisdictions and what calls out to me is 
they're they're very clear on how they want new teachers to develop. They're very sort of they they, they want to make sure that teachers get a great start to the profession and that yeah. they're developed really well throughout it. So I think this was our sort of you no know, again the kind of the, the you know, in, in, in England. You no, know, making sure that you no, know, the PGC a really strong start, but then to have two years of, of, of sort of entitlement after that was 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 important, and hopefully was kind of gonna gonna accelerate um, new colleagues to the profession, to competence, and then the expertise more quickly. Yeah, I mean that what you've just said there is is a really I can imagine an incredibly challenging question, as simple as it might sound. What is the very first thing that a new teacher needs to know? <laughs> like, so, so this is it's like, huge, it's massive. But what, what would, where did you start? And then, and that's the thing. Like when, when you because because fundamentally, the first lesson you teach, you know, let's say in in your your NQ in my NQT year as was, you, you know, you can't sort of say to the pupils, oh well haven't done that bit yet so do mm. you have to wait do you know what I mean yeah. ultimately you have to have a bit of everything you have to have everything there so I uh, know now for us at, at Teach First I think we we've we've done a sort of we've, we've been about as I say since 2003 and therefore we've undertaken a lot of research into you know what helps our teachers kind of be successful early on and there was a piece of research we did about five years ago now, and we and we said that there were certain things that our teachers really needed to know. Like Teach First, the, the sort of training program is a, is different from PGC because we have this great opportunity of having a summer institute. So before um, our teachers start in school, they have five week intensive program um, mm-hmm. before they begin in their schools. But we said. But what we wanted to do was to make sure that five weeks, we didn't just throw everything at them. Yeah. But we wanted to make sure, okay, what are the most important things? So we we built these kind of sort of gatekeeper skills, we call them, which is, which is a, a bit of a sort of term just to kind of say, well, what, what are the foundations? And it was, again, not sort of rocket science or whatever, but they, the classroom management piece is key. You know, knowing how to have, you know that pupils can enter your class, that you can sort of maintain that kind of really positive classroom climate, how you do that in the first instance, how you set that, then about planning sort of lessons for progression, and then about sort of some explanation in teaching, um, how you explain either a task or how you explain a concept. Again, two really fundamental and formational things for teachers. And then something about, and how do you then, how do you do some sort of assessment um, of what pupils have understood by that by that time that they spent with you. So those were the kind of things where we started up with our building blocks, and then we've kind of looked in the ECF. We've taken aspects of that to say, okay, well, what comes first, sort of in in terms of each term, um, and we've used similar methods to say, right, well, as newly qualified teachers as was, you know, what do they need first, and then yeah. what do they then need to go on to? Mm. And and I think um, that's. Going back to what you were saying about the routines, and and that is the first module of the Mm. ECF, um, is the routines that you get into and behaviour management, things like that. But I suppose if reflecting on my first lesson when I was officially a teacher and I didn't have anyone in the classroom with me holding my hand, Mm. is I think that Mm. the temptation is to just dive straight into being a teacher you know what do these kids need to learn before they leave this classroom today and I think sometimes I think one of the things I I wish maybe that somebody had said to me um, just directly was 
just take that first lesson to get to know them, you know, mm. Mm. welcome, welcome yourself, um, you know, introduce yourself to the students, which is, which is obvious, of course, you will do that. But also, um, you know, don't worry so much about being a teacher and, and what they're going to learn in that first few lessons just get used to being in the classroom try and get to know some of the characters in the room who's who's in front of you and of course then there's things like the seating plans that you've got to consider and and all of that you know all of the administration um and and try try not to do everything in that first lesson exactly. you know and bring together exactly. everything you've learned in that first lesson because it's it's not possible <laughs> and you'll just exactly. end up you know in a puddle on the floor exactly. by the end of the day. <laughs> exactly. And that's the thing. And the thing is, that comes, that idea of wanting to do everything yeah. comes from the best possible place. You know, yeah. I mean, we have these, you No, know, I, I never forget the first lesson I taught was a, it was a year nine class, you no, know, was a secondary history teacher, year nine class, and they were there. And I was like, right, okay, my kid doesn't yeah. need to, but, but, but yet, you know, you can't do it. And therefore, as you say, establishing some routines so that they know, okay, we're in Miss So-and-So's class or Mr. So-and-So's class. This is how we do the work. You no, know, this is how yeah. we come into the classroom. This is you no know, do a do a stand, do a line up in the corridor, or do we do something different? Even those things. I, I think what I what I found sort of again early on and, and again from seeing sort of the thousands of other sort of new teachers go through this, is yeah. that if you can establish some of those things early on, then it takes the pressure off you as a teacher. Because Definitely, actually, yeah. once once those routines are down, then you can focus on, okay, I want to explain this concept really well. Or I want to make sure that you know, those three pupils in particular really understand it. So I need, you know, when, but, but yet if you're worried about how they're lining up or getting the glue sticks out or who's given the, the exercise books out, yeah. then, then everything becomes a jumble. You know what I mean? So therefore, I think some of those routines... I just think are like gold dust because it takes the pressure off you as a mm. new teacher and allows you to sort of calm your thinking down to go, right, okay, deep breath, this is what I want to explain or these are the people that I want to say hi to or this is the people that I want to make sure is, is well supported or challenged or whatever it might be. Mm. But that in itself, as as you've just said, I'll, I will bring in Tina again. Sorry, Tina, I haven't I haven't forgotten you. Um, but yeah, as, as you just said, is... is um, figuring out the the students in front of you, you can't expect to get to know every single student that you meet in those first few weeks. You can't get to know them intimately within a week or with even in two or three weeks. Um, and I suppose it's it's not, not panicking that you're not doing your job properly if um, you don't manage to address the needs of every single student, you know, recognizing as, as a new teacher that it takes time to learn about your students and, and, and time to get to know them and what they need individually. I think speaking personally, I'm probably getting there now with my classes um, where I, I'm confident that I know all their names. Um, you know, I'm aware of who uh, has SEND needs and who is pupil premium and who needs to sit where in the classroom to make sure that they that they get the best experience when they're there. Um, but it's only really now that I'm starting to feel confident enough to go, do you know what, if I'm planning that particular lesson, I need to make sure that um, so-and-so gets that particular handout or um you know that particular student i need to go and speak to them and make sure that they're comfortable with what they're doing and just make sure i spend a little bit of time with that student at some point in today's lesson um and and it's it's those little things that 
that come with the time and come with the experience in the classroom and I think just you know that that tendency to be overwhelmed in those first few weeks is is very strong and we've just got to sort of slow down a bit and and not try and do too much at once like you say so over to Tina if we can go back um, to that question, I've just uh, uh, we've just been chatting with with Ruben. Just go go back a, a few minutes. But what what do you think is the most important sort of first thing that new teachers need to know or need to do? Thanks, Kaylee. Um, before I answer that, I, I would just like to sort of say that I think it's recognised that you can't be everything all at mm. once. Um, Recognising the fact that you're the early career framework is over two years your statutory induction now is over two years i think the dfe and and the powers on higher are recognizing that that's you know let's give you some time as early career teachers to actually live and breathe the job yeah and take your time and learn because everybody's on the same sort of learning process whether you've been teaching for two days or teaching for 20 years um you never really know what's going to happen when you start teaching that lesson mm. or the class um no never more so than when you're teaching in the early years you really do not know what's going to come through the doors that morning um so what what do i think is the first thing that teachers need to do i think they need to believe in themselves and think you've got there because you've worked hard you've got there because you want to teach you want the best for the children in front of you or the students in front of you mm -hmm. and a bit of self-belief and self-confidence goes an awful long way so you know, you're not there by chance you, you know you've you've come through a rigorous process through your teacher training yeah you have you know you've, you've met your teacher standards you're hopefully in a good school that is very supportive i know that you are Kaylee, so that, that mm. i'm pleased that you you are getting the support that you rightly deserve and I <laughs> thank you to. yeah definitely yeah. I can speak for that yeah and um, all early career teachers are entitled to that support all teachers are entitled to that support from their school and and I'm, I'm, in my experience in, that happens on a day-to-day -day basis in in most schools um so yeah so just believe in yourself and also the other thing that I, I, I remember telling you this when you were training to teach as well if it goes wrong it goes wrong you pick yourself up and you try again yes you can have an absolutely awful lesson at any point in your teaching career but it's yes. one lesson and it does not define you yeah it's great advice and and because we tend to be a lot of teachers tend to be have that perfectionist gene don't we where we're we, we want to get it right because we're, we're there for a reason we're there to help the students and we're there to teach them and if we don't feel we've achieved that then we take it very personally um and yeah so it's just about kind of you know taking it easy with yourself isn't it and not being you know like you say if you have a bad day it was only one lesson you can try again tomorrow um yes. the world will keep on spinning <laughs> yeah so um I'm getting carried away with the conversation and I need to do a shout out and say, we are a live show this evening. Um, Ruben and Tina will be with us for the rest of the show, hopefully, um, unless they need to dash off. So please call in, please get in touch on Twitter or through the Podbean app if you'd like to um, chat to uh, our guests this evening, ask them any questions, I will read them out. We've got one here from Caps who says, um, yeah, they, they want to... Uh, they're trying to get a connection with the teachers as well as the students. So that's actually a really interesting point. Let's run with that for a, sec a second. So um, Tina, seeing as I've still got you unmuted, um, how, how, what advice would you give to, to 
new teachers in terms of dealing with obviously we we're, we're a team of 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 teachers as well as um there to to talk to our you know to work with our students so as a new teacher going into a school for the first time getting involved with the rest of the staff what would your advice be is exactly that to get involved with the rest of the staff so yeah um, you know listen to them talk to them ask their advice um you know if you've got uh, any spare time or free lessons can i kind of come in and, and see how you teach um you know make yourself a proactive member of your department if you're in secondary um yeah contribute to staff meetings what you i think one of the um things that has come to me through sort of the, the changes to the recruitment and retention of teachers is um about teachers new teachers being agents of change and the fact that the development that you're getting through the early career framework you are learning things that the, that some members of staff might not know yet or they might have touched upon at some point and and they've moved away from that because they've got bogged down in the day-to-day teaching and yeah. so please you know to say your opinions in staff meetings they are as valid as anyone else's but then take time to listen as well so as a new member of staff you know come in with those fresh ideas but also take a step back and say well ask ask them why do we do that you know why 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 does that work why do you think that works you know in school why why do we have this in our behavior policy and and and, and how, how have you seen the impact of that you know be interested ask people why they do things ask not just the teachers but the support staff mm. who are really important you know ask their advice ask their opinions why do you do that how can i help you how can you help me mm. and um Caps has said about trying to work in unison. Absolutely. We're there as a team, aren't we, in school? It's, it's, it's a team effort. Mm. Yeah. That sounds a and bit a, cheesy, a, but it is a team effort. <laughs> definitely. Ruben? Tina's spot on there. I mean, I, I think that's the, the, that big thing about being interested in other people. You know, fundamentally, when we move to a new place, when we, you know, uh, I don't know, sort of meet new people for the first time, if, if we're interested in them, then then people want to talk to us for longer. And in school, we're surrounded by people who have a load of knowledge about that particular context, about yeah. how that school works, about who those pupils are. And, and you asking those questions, just as Tina's outlined, but also I think Tina's absolutely spot on. The idea of going, well, look, I know I'm new, but here's what I've been learning about this, or I read this this week, or I've tried this with my classroom. And no, again, you can kind of play your role. No, yes, you may not have been there as long as others, but in a way, sometimes that's a useful thing to say, no, this is what I've been learning, this is what I've been leading. No, I think nobody would would walk into the staff room and go, yeah, by the way, completely nailed this class. You know what I mean? I'm sort of, I've been here two weeks and I've done it all. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Or a very brave person to do that, I think. (laughs) And because we all know it'll all come crumbling down. My goodness, I wish after all these years, I still couldn't do that. So, I mean, but but, yeah, going in and saying, look, this is what I tried and this is what seemed to work or this is a piece of research that I read. I think all of those things kind of can both, you know, they send out signals to people. They yeah. send out a first signal, which is you're interested. They send out a second signal that you want to learn. 
to send out a third signal that you're there to support your pupils and a fourth signal that you have things to share and you're interested to do that to help the, the sort of professional development of others. Yeah, I would definitely agree. I mean, there's been a few instances where I've sort of held back because of you know the nervousness of like you know who am I who am I to comment here because you know I've only been doing this five minutes in comparison to everyone else in the room but when I have kind of um put my brave pants on and uh volunteered something or or um made a comment I have actually been pleasantly surprised at you know the the response because I think there, there is an element of if you are in a good school that is supportive and, and wants to help you then they're not trying to put pressure on you or get you to do things that you might not feel comfortable with they're waiting for you to put yourself forward as a sign that okay well I feel ready to take this on so can I have can I do that please um, and then they will go yeah sure absolutely here you go this is what you need to do. Um, and that's my experience is that I've I've volunteered to do a few more things this term. Um, think Just things like, can I have a go at writing a medium term plan for, for a particular unit um, in, in English? And my head of department said that he thought it was great that I'd asked and that I'd volunteered to get involved in that. Um, and that he, he made it clear that he thought that was a really good thing for me to do. But at the, t- at the same time, he that that had he was waiting for it to come from me rather than asking me to get involved so because he was worried that it might be too much with everything else that's going on so I think sometimes it's it's not don't be worried that people aren't getting you involved because they don't think you can it might be that they're they're trying to kind of let you find your feet before they pile on too much work or too much pressure but if you feel able to then there's no reason why put yourself forward get involved and I think so far, I think my experience has been that the more you do that, the more proactive that you are, the the better for the department, the better impression you give to the department. Mm. Um, Caps's messaging again say um, approaches everything, and it just made me think that a school like any other business, there's a there'll be a culture to every school, and and I was actually talking uh, the guest I, I was talking to before um we broke up for the holidays before the the show took a break for the holidays was um pete chung you'll remember pete i'm sure tina um and you're obviously still working together at the moment on the the primary side of things i believe um but he's retired now is that right he's he's actually retired he's he's, retired at christmas that's right yeah so i so i managed to catch him just before he um he, he he went into you know he decided to have a, have himself a well earned rest. Um, hopefully, anyway, knowing Pete, he's probably doing something very he'll be energetic. Up, he'll be, yeah, he'll be running up a mountain somewhere. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But but it, we we were talking about that and and the idea of um, I've lost my train of thought now. What was I saying? <laughs> you were saying about I think I think Caps was saying about the approach. Oh the, yeah, that's the, right. The way we were... you approach these certain discussions are really important. Yeah, we were saying about the the culture of a school and and why it's the, that's what it was. I was going to make the comment about recruitment um, and the te- the recruitment process we teach in is so different from any other industry, um, and it, it can be difficult to know when you go to that interview that you're almost expected to accept if if you get the job you're expected to to take it, whether or mm. not the school culture is going to be a fit, um, and just like any other business that there it's got to be 
the right place for you to work and there are going to be people you get on with better than others and just because you're all there doing the same thing doesn't necessarily mean that you've all got the same approach and the same idea of the right way of doing things um so yeah caps is absolutely right the the idea that um you you've got you've got to uh, approach things diplomatically and tactfully but at the absolutely. same time not be afraid of putting yourself forward would you agree with that absolutely and i think i think it's interesting because i think we you know, we've all we all we all want to you know, sort of say the right thing, and sometimes we, we don't. I mean, I I don't say the right thing all the time, but mm. I think where I've heard it said best is I I started using the word I'm curious to know something. Yeah. So it's kind of I'm curious why that happens, and I think then, but because even when you no know, when so people never feel oh, I was rude and having a go at me there. You know what I mean? Is yeah, he, is absolutely. He saying something. So it's. I'm curious because then it it just it opens that conversation, and I never forget there was a thing that and again I I don't often get riled up about things. But I used to get slightly, I suppose, upset on behalf of my new teacher colleagues mm. <laughs> when any of their more experienced colleagues would say, "No, if it, you know, if a teacher says, oh, that class I find it really challenging today. I just I just find it really difficult to make headway." And then somebody says, oh, they're never like that with me. Oh, yeah. They're yes. always perfect. And you're just going like, oh, come on, give us yeah. a break. You know what I mean? <laughs> and then I, I, I then I then challenge the new teacher. I said, right. So then you've got to be straight over going, wow, okay. How do you do it? Can I come and see your lesson? And yeah. then suddenly the conversation changes. It's, oh, well, well, no, I think they are a very challenging class. Yada, yada, all that sort of thing. Or maybe they do say, yeah, yeah, come on ahead. And maybe you do learn things, but at least it breaks that down. You know that, oh, they're always like that for me. You know what I mean? Or whatever. And you just, oh, come on, give us a break. Yeah. You know what I mean? We're, we're all trying to learn here. But as I say, I think that's where I've challenged sort of our new colleagues to say, brilliant, and just stay curious. You know, say, that's great. How do you do it? Show yeah. me. And always better to show me, like go and watch the lesson if you can, rather than be told about it. Because sometimes I think when you get told about it, it kind of becomes a sort of folk wisdom. Better to see it in action in terms of, no, especially if, no, if, it's, a, if it's a class that maybe um, no, is sort of posing particular challenges at a certain time. Mm. Definitely. And, and as you say, some, some teachers just have that knack, don't they? Where they almost seem to be, the, the student whisperer and they, they never seem to have any behavioral issues in their class and and you think how do they do this you know teach me and again sorry Kaylee, yeah go for it across you. see what's interesting is that again that was something when I was looking at the the early career framework and why I was such an advocate for it in its original form was because I just think for new teachers that were seeing that all the time like I remember in my I was really lucky. I had I had great training and I had great school placements. But I remember there was a year eleven class that I that I taught for two lessons, and then the main teacher taught for the rest of the, the, the rest of the, 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 the week. And and this class, I I found them really difficult to kind of deal with, you know. And I was trying my best, and I was you know putting my heart and soul into the resources, the objectives, and all like this. And then I was, so I said to, and I'll not, I'll not name her, just, just spare her blushes, but she's an incredible teacher. And I said, look, how do you do this? And she went, well, I'll tell you what, you come on Thursday um, and, and you, know, you sit at the back and you can kind of see. 
And so, so she was sitting at the front, sat down, and all this class sort of piled in, you know, that kind of like tidal wave. Yeah, of just, yeah. I was going, okay, right, that's what I see. So, okay, so, right, what's Miss X going to do now? You know, type thing. And then there was like the you no know, chucking bags and all this sort of thing and everybody, like nobody being, just that kind of rowdy post-break yeah, yeah. type thing, right? And then she said in the quietest voice, I'm going to get really annoyed with you now. And, that, and then suddenly the class was silent. <laughs> I was just going, hi. Because if I you know as a new teacher, see if I'd have said, I'm going to get really annoyed with you now. I could imagine that whole class going, yes, job done. There you go. We've achieved <laughs> our objective today. Exactly. Whereas actually, but this teacher... No, she had she had taught many of their parents. You know what I mean? She was she was a ah, very right. nice senior teacher in the school. So yeah. therefore, it was like upsetting your mum. It was a yeah. sort of thing. <laughs> and and but but nevertheless, what was interesting, and and I think because even at that, I was going, well, I can't be Miss X. You know what I mean? However, there was a principle sitting behind it, which is about I need to make our expectations clear. Yeah. Go on, I'm not happy with this. You know what I mean? And, and then suddenly one can say, and this is why. Because I think you can do X, Y, and Z or whatever. Yeah. And so I think there's just different ways to put it. But I, I just remember that. And, and that, that, I think, I was sit, I remember sitting in the back of that class going, great. So I have to teach 40 years before I can say that. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know, how do you whereas, learn whereas that? I, you just keep out. Exactly. Whereas, whereas I hope there's some elements of the ECF that we don't have to have colleagues waiting 30-odd years before, <laughs> before some of those kind of routines can be in place. Yeah. Caps again's messaging and said it's all about perseverance. Sometimes you've just got to keep trying and keep trying until they, until the students understand or until they, you know, you get the behaviour that you want. And I think there is there is an element of that, isn't there? Sometimes it's just try, try and try again, if at first you don't succeed, and all of those old adages, isn't there, you know, uh, you've just got to keep trying until you find the way that works for you. So uh, bear with me both, uh, Ruben and Tina, I've uh, been chatting away so happily that we're an hour into the show and I need to play the adverts again, so if you just bear with me, we'll uh, be back in a few minutes after our ad break and we'll carry on the conversation. Are you looking to take your phonics practice forward? then Little Wondle Letters and Sounds Revised is the programme for you. Created by two schools with an excellent track record in phonics, Little Wondle Letters and Sounds Revised will help all children become readers and ensure no child is left behind. The programme offers complete support for your phonics teaching, alongside classroom resources and fully decodable readers from Collins Big Cat. To find out more, follow at Letters Sounds on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram or join a free briefing by visiting littlewondelettersandsounds.org.uk. Teachers Talk Radio is delighted to support Winston's Wish, the UK's childhood bereavement charity. Winston's Wish supports children and their families after the death of a parent or sibling. They provide emotional and practical bereavement support. Expert teams also provide online resources, specialist publications and training for professionals. Find out more about Winston's Wish and pledge your support at www.winstonswish.org. So 
So we're back again with Ruben and Tina chatting away about, uh, we, we started off with teacher training and we've gone into behavior management and just about everything else besides at the moment. So if we can just flip back um, to something that was mentioned earlier uh, about research. So Tina, if I can uh, bring you in at, at this point, um, we the ECF is very much well, all teacher training has been based on research, of course, yes. but the, yeah. the ECF's fundamental foundation is about effective research, isn't it? And, and making sure that we're doing the things that we know work. work. Yes. Um, so I, I can speak from experience and I can see very clearly as somebody who's going through the ECF programme at the moment, how what we're being told to do is tied into very effective research, you know, well-respected authors. And I'm, I'm confident that when I'm putting these things into practice, that they're going to, they're going to work, or at least they're going to be useful to, to my development as a teacher. But this might be a controversial one. Uh, what happens if you come across a school with an ECT who have a very embedded way of doing things that doesn't fit with the research supported in the ECF framework. How would you approach that? And have you had any instances like that, I suppose? Give us the gossip. Right. <laughs> um, I can't name any schools though. No, of course. <laughs> Discretion. Um, yeah. I think, well, I was expecting a bit more resistance to be absolutely fair. So I thought we're gonna have some resistance to this, especially the instructional coaching approach because we're asking mentors who have mentored perhaps quite a lot in the past, quite established yeah. mentors, to take on a new approach. Um, and the instructional coaching approach is new to an awful lot of mentors um, and probably to a lot of ECTs. I'm not, it's not widespread really in a lot of ITT providers yet, but I think it will be in the future. Um, so... We ha I haven't actually met as much resistance as I thought I would. In fact, I I'm sorry I haven't really got any gossip because most of the schools have kind of said, this is fantastic. You know, for once, I mean, one of the things that really, um, to, to, to kind of bring Ruben in a little bit as well, is one of the things that Ruben says um, in the induction conferences for the uh, early career framework, he might not remember saying this, but he, he's, he's on video, is about um, how teaching can appear like magic. Mm. You know, that, that, and, and it's about showing people that it's not magic. And yeah. that with small steps, you can take small steps and every step may, means you become a better teacher and your pupils become better learners. Um, and I just think that, that because it's, it's designed in the early career framework with Teach First, I can only speak about the Teach First programme, because that's the one that I'm working with, because it's designed so well and that every single session builds on the last session and the modules build on each other, um, that you can just see that the, the, any resistance that we've had, and we've had a tiny little bit, and it's mainly been in the early years sector, because they mm. feel that um, it's maybe not as relevant to them. But just by chatting through with them and saying, well, this is what it means in an early years classroom. Mm. Um, yeah. Then they can say, oh, yeah, 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 we can see that now. So, the, you know, there the was like, we don't do retrieval practice. Come on, you do it all the time. 
you're constantly mm. doing retrieval practice in the early years right that's just, but it's just never been called retrieval practice before mm. so you think maybe the uh, the issue is more about the names that we're giving certain strategies and practices because teachers have just been doing it yeah, but I think for that, years, yeah, I think anyway, could... <laughs> that, they, that they're thinking, oh, you're coming along and telling us to, to do something we've never done before. And actually, that's not the case. It's just it, they've, they've never, you know, they've never called it that. Oh, they've maybe done it slightly differently. And I think that the beauty of it all is they now understand why it works. Wonderful. So, you know, the research that underpins it all, they can actually, you can talk to them and say, this is why that works. You know, mm. um, when you're planning in the moment in an early years classroom, why does that actually work? Well, actually, because it's about attachment theory and it's about nurturing the young children in your care. But you still need that attachment theory and, and you still need to understand attachment if you're teaching English in a secondary school in Maryport, Kayleigh. You know, you still need to understand that as well. So, and you need to understand how children learn, whether they're two, three, four or 18. So I, I think, think that there isn't as much resistance as I thought there would be. In fact, I think people are welcoming the fact that we are putting such a big focus on how to teach and how do pupils learn fantastic yeah i think i think it's in i think it's interesting the the kind of the the, re, the research sort of the, the research base because i think i think you know you said it earlier in the call and you no know, and, and tina said it is that is that i think you know, teachers want to get better you know i mean all of us want to get better but yet we don't have the time to go through all of this research we don't have the time to be Mm -hmm. no sort of no trying to do this because we have our jobs we have busy lives we have no taking care of our friends our flatmates our siblings our children (laughs) our parents whatever it might be as well as a really important and vital job so therefore i think i think in some ways the kind of the idea of here's the kind of bite-sized bit of the kind of research and I think, as Tina says, there's two things that I find really interesting. I think one of them is, you know, either colleagues saying, wow, that's that's completely different. I've never thought about it like that. So that kind of light bulb moment, both for the ECT and the mentor, is lovely. And people are going, I can apply that. I can, I can apply that tomorrow or whatever that might be. So there's a new surprising piece. Then I think there's a second thing, which is, and Tina's and, and Tina's brilliant at this, by the way. Like it's not the spare our blushes, but I mean Tina's so good at this about how you translate this research into a context. Yeah, that's the key to it because research is just that. It can't be in your classroom. It can be this is what happened in a number of classrooms under certain conditions. Mm-hmm. We need brilliant experts like Tina, kind of in there, going, okay, this is what it's going to look like in your classroom. And then I think the final point is the precision of it. So I think, for, for instance, something like instructional coaching, um, it's very precise. And I think that is a valuable thing. So rather than, okay, I saw this whole lesson and I'm going to give you 10 objectives to do the next time. You mean, that's too many. We all know yeah. that that's too many as a new teacher. Whereas instructional coaches saying, right, what? What thing are you going to isolate so that you can progress it? Do you want to have a little practice now and then before you do it live in front of pupils? You know what I mean? I think it's about the precision we bring to it that I that I hope in instructional coaching or whatever you might know, whatever you might say, is that that actually saves people time because then we're introducing something precise rather than you know those objectives of kind of 
yet, Ruben, you should do better. Just do better. Go next yeah. week and do better. You know, it's kind of like I sit at home for the weekend going, right, okay, there's a million things I could do better. Which one of those things? Whereas instructional coaching is isolating some of those elements and say, okay, here's the thing. Here's This is going to make the most difference to you with your pupils next week. So let's have a go at that thing. And I think, yeah. again, that kind of gives us a bit of a calmness as new teachers to say, okay, I'm not going to try and change the earth next week or change everything. I'm going to focus on this part of the lesson or this part of you know, the transition or whatever it might be. I think it empowers the mentors as well, Ruben and Kaylee. I think mm-hmm. it empowers them to, I mean, some of the mentors that I've spoken to around this have said what, what they actually enjoy the most about the instructional coaching approach is being able to pick those highest leverage actions. Mm. So they're not having to give, they're not thinking, oh, I'm going to get this across. <coughs> Excuse me. They're thinking, right, we, it can just be this, can just be this action and we can really concentrate on this and i think it's empowering the mentors to actually Mm. think yeah i can i can do this i can be a really good mentor (laughs) because i can pick the highest i can pick a precise i can pick the highest leverage action i can give a precise action i can help them script it i can help them practice and i know that's going to have an impact in their classroom rather than sitting down and as as Rumi says looking at a whole lesson and trying to think but how can we make that better? Actually, no, let's just focus in and look at one thing and how can we make that better? Yeah, as as you, I think that's a really interesting point. You just made it, sorry, Ruben, I realise I'll um, hand over to you. I was just saying that I think that um, that's a really interesting point you make because we, I suppose we can't assume that every mentor who is looking after an ECT is an experienced mentor um who's who's done something like this before themselves so it it's a framework for them to give the best possible advice and support as well isn't it as as well as for the ect to to have it broken down into bite-sized manageable chunks for their improvement as well um ruben what were you going to say sorry no, I was just going to say, I mean, I, I'm sorry I keep interrupting, but I just... No, no, go for it. The conversation really <laughs> fascinating. It's really fascinating. But I think two things are, Kaylee and, and, and Tina touched upon it, was that mentors of limited time. So therefore, we've got to make sure that this is doable for mentors. And therefore, that kind of precision, that limited sort of amount, um, I think then can help the mentor as well as the ECT. I think the, the other thing, and, and this is this is maybe sounds a bit contentious, but people have said you know, the some of these kind of approaches of instructional coaching, oh, Ruben, does that not just make everybody robots? Is this mm. just not going to be that all these early career teachers are going to teach exactly the same and say exactly the same things? And you know what? I haven't seen that. No. I, I haven't seen that because I think these are, these are tools that are then... That, that are then in some way used by a new colleague in the classroom or any teacher in the classroom. So it's it's a tool to be used. And then I think the other thing is they're saying, well, hold on, you shouldn't be just telling the teacher what to do. You know what I mean? Surely that's disempowering them. And and again, I think that's an interesting one because there's there's two there, there's there's two analogies I think of, and there's there's one. So there's a colleague of mine, an American colleague of mine, and she's absolutely incredible, brilliant teacher educator, and she was saying, and she just says, Ruben, why should we hide the ball if there's something going on that's going to help that teacher get better? 
why dance around it? We might as well just t- no tell them. <laughs> you know what I mean? Say yes. this is how this is how it can help you get better. And I think that's fair. I think the other thing is that if you look at brilliant sports teams and sports coaching, there's some aspects of that sports coaching, you know, even of elite teams, where it's very prescriptive. You know, it's like mm-hmm. do this, then do this, then do this. Then there's other part of elite sports coaching which is much more reflective which is kind of looking at the game as a whole and saying, okay, what did you do at this point? Or why did you do this? And, and why did you do this? And again, I think with our teachers, we can afford to be doing the same sort of thing at certain times. Okay, mm. we do this, we do this, we do this. And then at other times, I'd say, hmm, that was interesting. So why do you think that worked there? And yet it didn't work here. You know what I mean? So I think we can, I think our mentors have a lot of this knowledge and therefore we should be trusting them to kind of use that well in whatever they, you know, whatever particular sort of, um, whatever particular aspect they're looking at. Do you know, what I mean, I think they should have a bit of autonomy so that they can say, "I want to be in a bit more reflective mode today with my early career teacher," versus a kind of, "Okay, I'm going to go through these three things to make sure that those are really nailed for the next lesson." Yeah, and I think the ECF does allow for that yes. to a certain degree, doesn't it? Because uh, I, I know that I've um, had meetings with my mentor where, you know, that there's we've always stuck to the the core um, training element, if you like, you know, mm. of, of that particular week. But if there has been something that has arisen that week, because obviously I've been trying to put these um, strategies into practice, if something has arisen um, in a class based on that, then my mentor has often said, well, I tell you what, rather than looking at the case study that we were going to look at this week why don't we talk about that particular event that happened in your lesson you tell me what happened to, you know and and we we reflect on a real life experience so it's still mm. very much yes. sticking to the to the framework but it's entirely relevant to my particular practice or something that he's observed in one of my lessons for instance so yeah i think um it, it does allow for the a, a nice balance of prescriptive this is good practice but also reflective how have you managed to make it work for you absolutely definitely I mean, yeah. I, I, yeah. oh sorry no sorry tina you far away no i was gonna say absolutely because i think um it's, it's a framework you know it's something that we work through um yet there are some prescriptive parts but again it's about developing you as a teacher yeah it's about your mentor developing as a mentor you know the paths will stay broadly the same for everyone, but it, you know, it'll, you know, there'll be slightly different journeys as well. And I think it's a framework. One of the things I, I think I had to get across quite a lot at the beginning is this isn't assessed work. You know, you, there's not going to be a test at the end of it. You know, it's about helping you to become a better teacher. That's what it's about. So use it to help you to become a better teacher and don't get hung up on it being prescriptive. Really? And that's music to my ears. That that's music to my ears <laughs> because again, see see the number of times where I've said, "This is not an assessment. This is an entitlement." And and again, when we kind of, I was I was very lucky and was on the expert advisory group that created the early career framework, and we were so like, if you if you see the number of times where it says the word entitlement <laughs> in that framework, it's all over it because we were at pains to say this is not about kind of this is not about kind of more of this accountability sort of framework that new teachers need it's absolutely about 
this is a tool, this is an entitlement to development that you have as an early career teacher. And, and then I think the last thing just on the, on the, the research piece, um, Kaylee, which is interesting, is, is that I, I think if there, are, if, if there are schools where I would be interested to know what, what are the kind of what are the schools that are saying, well, we, we don't use that or we think that's terrible or whatever, because I think if you look at the way the actual words are framed, I I, I I think some many of those are I can't think of any that know that people go well, that's fundamentally wrong like so, so for instance I think some people say oh my goodness the framework is obsessed with cognitive science or whatever <laughs> I, I, I don't think it is I think there is cognitive science in there absolutely there is as it should be but I don't think the whole thing sort of relies on it Do you know what I mean I think if you look at other aspects those are much more familiar to people, whereas cognitive science is familiar to some and not to others. Mm-hmm. And, and and that's why I think having the Education Endowment Fund, the EEF in there, as the kind of the ones who are deciding, I think is really helpful and really important. And again, the DFE saying, and in time, we'll have to review the evidence base, because evidence changes. Um, and how evidence is used, of course, is no, it can be used in many different ways, how evidence is applied again can be used in many different ways so i i think that evidence base and the kind of the research underpinning will continue to evolve and change and i think that's quite exciting as well really absolutely and i suppose that's something we need to remember is this this will probably evolve over time as well won't it it's it's this is not the finished article um next year it might be slightly different or the year after or in a few years time it might go through review um and it, and it's it's almost like a working document uh, to to be you know I, I know Ruben obviously you've been very active getting feedback directly from the schools and mm. and, and mm. doing research into how it's been implemented and how the schools have found it and, and Tina you I'm sure you know I know that you're very involved in that as well so I, I don't think for a minute that you're not going to act on that feedback to continually improve this process um so that's quite exciting as well, isn't it? Going forward, is that how you know it's only up from here, really, isn't it? How are we how are we going to get even better again in the future? Yeah, I mean, and I, and I, and I think it's interesting because there's almost this kind of idea about how you how you implement this sort of thing at scale. Like, let's like this is this was a really ambitious change that was brought in, though that affects every new teacher teaching in a state school in England. That's a massive, massive number, yeah. and you no. Know, in a way, these kind of changes. There was an early rollout, that, you know, the the previous year in the in the northeast and then the northwest and other areas. But you mean, know, but fundamentally, this was kind of significant, significant change. And then I think the so therefore, quite rightly, people go, okay, well, well, when when will it be up for review? When do we change it? But the thing is, in some ways, we want to make sure that people get used to what's there. So yeah. the framework, I think, we don't want to be tweaking with it every 10 minutes because I think people say, well, I just got used to the last one. Why am I changing it again? But I think what we can do, and I think this is where, where I you know I sort of, is, is that, how, how that how the framework is implemented through programs and through you know, kind of the great work of teaching school hubs like One Cumbria, you know, in terms of how can we make sure that the implementation works well, knowing that and that different aspects is that we can make sure that the workload is manageable mm. for the mentor, for the for the early career teacher, so that the exemplification covers 
early years and key stage one as well as secondary history or secondary mm. science or whatever it might be. Yeah. So I think that it's those aspects that we kind of continue to kind of really listen to and hear to make sure that it's the implementation of it. But I think in time, yes, the, the framework I'm sure will sort of change. But I think in some ways, the, 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 I'd say the government are right on this. You know, we've all been there where they've will you change the exam spec and a change in the examination spec for our pupils is a massive amount of extra work for our staff. So therefore you've got to kind of say is how do we, how do we get the balance between having a live document and then not overworking the profession? No, in terms of constantly responding to something that's changing all the time. So I think that that's where, that's where I'm trying to get the balance right. Let's say, I don't know how long the, the, the the framework itself stays static for, and then but it but year on year how we implement the sort of changes and the live feedback that we're getting from early career teachers and their mentors. Yeah, and it, of course it's reassuring to know that you're using that sort of live feedback as well to to inform the decisions, which is great to hear. Um, so Tina, um, we're, we're we're not far off the end of the show now, but I just wanted to ask you that we, we've mentioned the, the important word of workload. So before we finish, let's talk about that briefly. Um, how how do you feel that um, ECTs are in general coping with the workload of the ECF um, plus everything that they yeah. they're normally be expected to do? I think um, workload is an interesting one, Kayleigh, and different schools approach it in different ways. And again, it does depend on the kind of school. So um, I'm working with schools that are two teacher schools. So um, you might have um, a, a, an early career teacher. I've got one, she's got nursery right through to year two. Um, there's only one other teacher in the school, that's the head. So you can imagine that the workload yeah. between those two people is already high. And then we're asking them about the early career framework. So it's about having discussions with them about how best to do that. You usually find in these small rural schools that they expect to do things outside of school hours and that's what's happening. And there's not a lot of confidence. I think that um, if we didn't have the pandemic and we didn't have the extra pressure and stress on teachers and schools with testing and remote learning and classes in and classes out, then I, don't, I think that teachers may have found the workload a little easier. So yeah. I am getting some some concerns about workload, but usually it's not workload around the ECF. So they're actually enjoying the work of the ECF. It's all the other bits on top of the ECF. Mm. So sometimes that's about having the conversation with the ECT and helping them to prioritise. But yeah. so far, I haven't really had any major concerns or issues around workload brought to my attention. But um, obviously, we've, we've, we must have a really fantastic bunch mm. of early career teachers in, in Cumbria <laughs> that are enjoying the early career framework. And I'm probably quite glad that we're doing the Teach First programme because it's so wonderful. <laughs> I yeah, mean, I, and I, I haven't, I haven't paid Tina for that. I <laughs> okay. No, I mean, personally, um, you know, as as an ECT, I don't think that the time expected by the framework is particularly onerous. Um, and and we, I've, I, you know, I've, I've said this to Ruben before. Um, 
if, if anything, I think when you've come from a very good training program, there is a certain aspect of, of the ECF that's actually quite repetitive because you've already covered it Um certain aspects of, of the training but also if you've been fortunate enough to have got into placement schools during um, in between all the lockdowns that we had last year most schools will have prepared you very well you know the teachers will have been you know getting you involved and getting you seen as much as, as possible and so you'll have a very realistic expectation of your workload and what you need to get done in a week mm. um, or, or what mean, you're going to have to potentially do outside of school hours if you're going to get it done. I mean, I think just just briefly on that, I I, I think there's the, the the workload the workload issue is something for the entire profession. Yeah. And I think one. Of Are we ever really going to solve that problem? <laughs> but well, I I think I think we can. I think we'll have smart people in the profession that can. Yeah. And I think and then I'm gonna. So there's a there's a a guy um called Cal Newport, who writes um about attention and focus, and he's a sort of a professor in, uh, in one of the North American universities. And he wrote a book called Deep Work. And I've been really fascinated by it, about how do you kind of make sure that you spend a deep amount of time on the two or three things that are most important? And I was then thinking, how do we do that in our schools? How can we get our pupils focused on the two or three things that are important in the class? How can we get our teachers focused on the two or three th important things that are going to make the difference? How can we get our leadership teams focused on the two or three things that are going to get things done? And how can we then sort of hopefully, you know, sort of uh, automate some of the other bits and pieces around the kind of school environment or the teaching environment or whatever? know that yeah. makes that easier but as i think as you know, as, as tina says i think you know, with the pandemic with other issues i think there is an awful lot to do in schools but mm. i do think it's about how can we how can we start to think about what are the top two things that are going to make the difference and then how do we try to say that perhaps then other things we kind of leave to the side for now yeah which is very difficult, isn't it? When when you're trying, you know, as go back to what we were saying before, you do have a tendency to try and do everything as a teacher course, and try to do yeah, as much course, as you possibly can. So if you said to the average teacher, what what are the two things you're going to do this week and you're going to forget everything else? <laughs> I know I would I would probably look at you with a, 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 an expression of panic. So <laughs> and I've already been doing it, you know, one term so far. So, yeah, um, that is definitely well, we'll leave that with you. Um, we'll come back to you in in a in a maybe a year or so and, and ask you how you're getting on with reducing teacher workload but yes, uh, yeah I will try I will try. yes <laughs> we'll leave that one with you <laughs> but it's it's definitely um we could we could probably have a conversation on a uh, another show all about that so um mm. we have actually reached the end of the show and we're actually running over time now oh, wow. um fortunately okay. there's nobody coming in straight behind me who's who's waiting in the wings so that's good but thank you both so much for your time this evening it's been a fascinating conversation you've been absolutely wonderful guests and thank you very much for your time well thank you for inviting me Kayleigh. i really enjoyed it and it's good to catch up with you it's good to catch up with ruben and to talk about you know all things good really it's it's, it's just good definitely. to have a really positive conversation isn't it Yes, definitely. definitely I is. agree. Thanks so much. Thanks so much for the opportunity, Kelly. It was really oh, of course, really Ruben. And and when you um when you feel like your time with uh, Teach First comes to an end, I'm going to suggest: Have you ever considered recording audiobooks? <laughs> 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 because I could listen to your voice all day long. <laughs> 
Not at all. Not at all. Well, well it's, thank it's, you it's both. great to chat to you as well. Thanks so much. Yeah, wonderful. Okay. Thank you so much, guys. Have a have a great week and um all the best for enjoy the rest of your evening. You too, Kaylee. Bye-bye. Take care. Bye. Bye. Now. Thank you. You've been listening to Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live and listen back at ttradio.org. We look forward to hearing from you next time on Teachers Talk Radio.